You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, the podcast for marketing professionals in higher education. Join us every week as we talk to the industry's greatest minds in student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where marketing in higher ed is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. My name is Troy Singer. And I'm Bart Kaler. And today, we are talking to Brett DeMarzo. He is in the office of the provost, and he's actually the director of graduate enrollment of digital strategy at Boston College. But today, he has agreed to come onto the podcast and talk about making the case for mindful and radical customer service within higher ed. Bart, I first got to talk to him about five months ago, and he had me very excited about how higher ed can up their game and be more mindful of offering a full customer service experience through the entire student life cycle. Yeah, I I love this conversation with Brett. The fact that he has a background and experience at the Disney company helps a lot in the conversation because I don't think anybody does customer service better than the Walt Disney Company. And so I think he brings some of that to the table. Then he has that expertise of being at multiple colleges and being able to say, hey, this is the best ways that we need to be doing that. He has some very practical tips, very specific ways of going about it. And uh, this is just a great conversation about how any school can really do some simple things to just improve the customer service experience of your prospective students. And one thing, just as it relates to customer service, Let me just kind of mention here, we recently did the AI Summit, and one of our sponsors was Hannon Hill, and they're the makers of Cascade CMS and Clive. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about them later, but I just want to specifically say thank you for their sponsorship and their uh, willingness to come alongside the higher ed marketer to really provide those practical tips uh, in the case of AI, as well as just their support of this podcast. So thanks. Yes. Thank you, Hannon Hill. We are both fans. We've actually, on the previous episode, featured Hannon Hill. So please go and check that out. But for today, here is our conversation with Brett DeMarzo. Brett, I'm so excited to finally have this conversation on the podcast with you. And to kick us off, as you know, we're here to inform and educate. So we're going to ask you to share something that you may have learned recently that would be deemed fun or interesting once heard by others. Absolutely. So first of all, thank you both for having uh, me on and and having this conversation with me. So I'm a a parent of a 16-year-old, my son, Nicholas. Uh, He just turned 16. So we're going through the whole, you know, teenager and and getting a a driver's permit and uh, all of that exciting avenues that go along with parenting a teenager. But what was really interesting, I recently have been reading a lot of articles about just obviously the mind of a teenager and what's going through their mind and the types of things that they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis and was reading some articles and some research. And some of it was really interesting um, beyond, uh, before the, the pandemic and some of the characteristics or some of the things that they were dealing with. And some of it was really fun, like the discrepancy between 
how parents feel like they're not spending enough time with their children, but the children are are saying, nope, it's it's perfectly fine. We're, we're spending enough time. Don't worry about that. So, so that's just been really interesting. And then I think what's also been really interesting is hearing and seeing some of the research around some of the pressures that that kids are facing these days. And, and a lot of it is not necessarily pressures that are being put on them by parents or, or even peers, but the pressure they're putting on themselves. Mm-hmm. And that was just really interesting and, and eye-opening. So as a parent, obviously, that's always in the back of my mind. Um, but then I think for, you know, even if you're not a parent and you're working with kids, teenagers, and young adults, I think that that's really interesting information. And I have a lot of conversations with colleagues who work very closely with, you know, first-year college students. A lot of what was reflected in this research is things that they talk about all the time in terms of some of those challenges and trying to engage and connect with students that are feeling these types of pressures. Just very interesting. So had my parent hat on and then had my higher education professional hat on at the same time. So That's great. I love that. Yeah, Brett. And I think that's something some of our listeners would probably want to dive deeper into (laughs) with you, although that's not the conversation (laughs) at hand today. We will be giving Brett's information out at the end of the episode, and we'll, I just hope someone reaches out to you about that, because I think that's a struggle for a lot. But what we agreed to talk about today is your passion of, on the importance of customer service in higher education. And Brett, we've known one another for about five or six months, and this is something you shared with me from the very first conversation. So in your view... Why is customer service often overlooked in higher education and what transformative impact can we have on students by focusing on customer service, in your opinion? Yeah, absolutely. I'm very, very passionate about um, bringing kind of that customer service aspect to, to higher education. A lot of my background is dealing with customer service, as you kind of mentioned, and and a lot of it has dealt with whether it was experience that I've had with my family owning a business for many years and being very involved in the community that the store was located in. We had a pharmacy business for many, many years and were very much ingrained into the community. And then also spent some time working uh, outside of higher education in uh, customer service and retail management, actually for the the Walt Disney Company and the the retail side of things. Yeah. So it's always been very you know a very strong aspect of what I've tried to bring to all the different roles that I've had in my career. And so I think it's really important in the context of higher education. I think one of the things that resonates with me very early on, a number of years ago, I want to say probably the late 1990s or early 2000s. I read a book called The Experience Economy by Joseph Pine and James Gilmore. And one of the things that they talked about in in some of the philosophy behind that book was really talking about how the economy has changed and it's really brought into this experience type of economy. And that really resonated with me in the sense that part of what they were saying in the book was Every interaction, whether it's in a, a business, retail, healthcare, higher education, everybody that comes and interacts with people in that field are 
basing their experience on everything else, right? So an experience that had that somebody had ordering something on Amazon or going to a Starbucks or um, you know uh, going into a, a department store like Macy's or something like that. They're judging and they're basing their experience and their expectations on what their experience has been in those previous times that they've been in that. And so I think for higher education, it's no different. The students that come to us ever, you know, from the beginning when they start to inquire and are a prospective student or just exploring and, and starting to interact with the admissions team, all the way to a current student who's getting ready to graduate and meeting with their advisor and getting all their classes and requirements set to graduate, um, their experience interacting with the people in those environments, are their expectations for those are, are always going to be based on all the other experiences that they've had. I think that's why it's really important in higher education that institutions really take this aspect and this philosophy very, very seriously and do everything that they can do to try to make sure that the interactions and the experience that the student has across the campus is as top quality as possible. As I mentioned earlier, Troy, this week's episode is sponsored by Hannon Hill, makers of Cascade CMS and Clive. You know, in the world of higher ed marketing, content isn't just king. We've been talking about customer service. We've been talking about content. We've been talking about all kinds of things, but content is the cornerstone of your digital marketing presence. And that's where Hannon Hill steps in. Uh, introducing Cascade CMS and Clive, Hannon Hill's comprehensive content management and web personalization tools. They're designed for efficiency, security, scalability. You know, Cascade CMS lets you easily publish across multiple platforms and making sure a robust web governance framework for your decentralized organization is there. And that's so important for what we do as higher ed marketers. So I would encourage you to elevate your content strategy and see a greater return on your investments. So visit hannonhill.com and to discover more about them. I think you bring up so many good points there, Brett, because I think not only has the economy changed, because I think that you're right, we, we whether it's students or just all of us, I think we approach customer service and we expect a certain thing. When I go to McDonald's, sometimes I might be frustrated that I'm not getting treated like I do at Chick-fil-A. And so I, I think it's a very tangible thing that people understand that there's a level of expectation that many times if we're not meeting that, that's almost seem as as worse than if we're just at a certain baseline. And 15, 20 years ago, there might have been a baseline of how quickly we needed to respond to an inquiry or how quickly we needed, because it was just the industry standard of higher ed. Hey, everybody understands that it's higher ed. We understand that if you're going to call the admissions office, we're not here on the weekends. We'll get back with you on Monday. But man, you, you start introducing some of the, the larger players that are kind of the for profits and they come in and all of a sudden they're bragging that we get our call center reaches out back out in 60 seconds. And I've talked with a lot of schools and they're like, well, that's just not feasible. That, that just doesn't work. And well, that's what the expectation is. And so I think that your point there is really good, that there's a level of expectation that whether we like it or not, it's there. And that is what we're judged on. So I really appreciated what you said there, that we are judged on the experiences outside of higher ed. So we either have to accept that and adapt, 
or recognize that we're going to be judged on that and, and be okay with it. What are some personal anecdotes that maybe you've seen that are kind of like you've experienced that yourself? I mean, I've got a couple other things that, that I can share, but I'm just curious, you know, my example of McDonald's and Chick-fil-A is one, but, you know, with your background at, at Disney and things, I mean, I'm sure you are sensitive to that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the aspects um, when you are part of the Disney family is you hear a lot about that, the synergy, right? About how all the different kind of departments or compartments of the, the company kind of play off each other. It's across the board trying to make sure that the experience that somebody has, whether it's coming into one of the stores or going to Walt Disney World for vacation, that that quality comes through no matter what kind of component or aspects that you are uh, interacting with. Um, so that's, that's always important. And that has always, uh, it's kind of ingrained and, and drilled into your head when you're a cast member in, in one of those um, areas. But I think one of the interesting things um, from a higher education perspective that I always enjoy kind of talking about was one of my earlier institutions that I was at in the admission office for health sciences. I came in and was the director of graduate admission and had taken over for some for someone who had been in that role for a number of years. And so there was, you know, processes in place, workflows in place. The staff and the team would do their daily duties and interact with students. And when I first came there, part of the goal was to recognize the work that had been done beforehand, but then also see and try to identify where were those opportunities for us to really take the service up a notch, really make it enhanced, more robust. And so we spent, you know, my first six months really talking to not only my team, but also to faculty members that would interact with our office, with other service, student service areas on campus, just to see how, where were the opportunities that we could do some things and really transform the way that we interacted with students to provide that high-level service experience. So that that was, you know, a, a long project. It was an intense project, but it was really worth it because we really tried to identify where are those gaps, where are those opportunities that we can really make a difference in what we're doing and how we're interacting with students, and not necessarily just to help our own enrollment, but really to look at it as we want to pro provide a great service to this student. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, we want them to come to our institution, but if it also allows them to navigate the admissions process easier, if it helps answer questions about what makes a good application or what makes a good candidate or what type of experiences should I get if I want to go into this career or that career, that's what it was all about. And so it was really bringing that all together. Yeah, that's great. And and as you're talking through that, I'm, I'm reminded of a uh, presentation that I sat in at the AMA conference back in November. And uh, it, was a, it was a presentation by Morning Consult, and they were with uh, Texas A&M and Stanford. There was a presentation. And it goes along with it in this way, because you talked about the fact that we think that there's an expectation that's that's okay for, for higher ed. And I think sometimes we get caught in the trap of just kind of looking amongst ourselves and not really realizing that there's a bigger world out there that are influencing the way that our prospective students are taking them. And so one of the pieces of data that they shared that that kind of shocked me that kind of goes along with this is that 
you know, it talks about who are the most trusted influencers for, this is for traditional undergrad. And you've got family and friends is like the number one thing. And, and they kind of, they, they interviewed both prospective college students and prospective parents of college students. And obviously, you know, mom and dad thought the family and friends were really big. Uh, mom and dad put college and rankings of universities really big. But number two for the students was online social media influencers. And I was like, wow, okay, so you're telling me that if Mr. Beast tells me to go to some school, I'm more impressed to go to look at that school than if U.S. News or World Reports ranks them higher. And I think that's something that goes along with what you're saying is that we like to think that, oh, we've got it all figured out. We know exactly how people are thinking, but we don't. And so we've got to, you know, so as you're talking and I'm, I'm you know, now I'm talking to the listener, as Brett says, we need to pay attention to how everybody else, you know, experiences life out there. And that's what they're expecting when they come to our school. It'll hear him out because that is exactly right. And so we have to be adaptable and, and we have to be able to be agile in the way that we're approaching this. So I think, Brett, that's a that's such a really strong point that I think you've made there. So up until this point, we've talked about, I believe, the philosophy and beliefs but we'd like to look to technology because, as Bart said a little while ago, uh, a lot of the belief is that some of the ways that the majority or other industries are able to respond is just not feasible for higher ed. But it's a belief of mine that with all the technology out there, that it is feasible. So, Brett, would love to know if you could elaborate on how you think technology like CRMs or enhanced chatbots can enhance the customer service in higher ed settings? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's crucial. One of the ways in which when an institution is looking at the way that they serve their students, particularly from an administrative perspective and an outreach and communication perspective, it's crucial. When I go back and I think about the kind of traditional customer service. And if you think about it in a physical way, the interaction and the communication and the conversations that you have with people, it's impossible to, to be able to have enough staff and enough time in the day to be able to do that, right? And so the technology is, is the key. It, it allows us to be able to find all of the touch points that we need to connect with students connect with them, not, not on our time, but on their time. Mm. And so, you know, the CRM that we utilize at, at Boston College, where I'm at now, obviously we utilize it to its fullest and are consistently trying to figure out how we can get even more out of it, right? But using, it, it's a very important piece of kind of our overall picture. And really the teams, the admission teams, the marketing teams, at each of the different schools, we have eight graduate and professional schools that I work really closely at with, at, at Boston College. They wouldn't be able to do what they do, do if, if it wasn't for the technology. So, And we're constantly looking at what are the ways that we can continue to utilize it. So whether it's you know creating some automation drip email campaigns that consistently connect with students and let them know what types of information are important to know and events and things like that. But even, you know, utilizing chatbots to kind of be able to answer those questions when the, the teams aren't in physically the office. We do a lot of work with 
utilizing uh, video online tours and giving those to students and, and making those available to students. And we're constantly looking at what are the new technologies that we can use. So, you know, how can we connect with students better? Could we use a student ambassador platform? Could we, a lot of the teams are really incorporating text messaging a lot more consistently through their kind of overall communication plan. So it's really crucial. I mean, you, you can't be there all the time. It's impossible, right? But through technology, you're able to connect with students on their timeline. And I think, again, when we talk about what their expectations are and what they've experienced in other places, this is what they're expecting. So, you know, higher ed and, and when they're exploring and, and researching, getting an education at an institution, it's no different. That's what they're expecting as well. And we have to be ready. Um, and luckily, we have these tools uh, in at our disposal, uh, you know, and, and uh, I think that the disappointing thing is, is that, I, at least in my opinion, I don't feel like higher education institutions use it enough. I, I feel like mm -hmm. we're behind in a lot of cases, right? We're trying to play catch up. We're trying to get into platforms or use tools that students have been using for a long time already. And and so, yeah. you know, it's kind of that old adage of, I you know, I, I'm an older I'm an older person and again i have a 16 year old son so i'm constantly learning from him what what's the latest piece of technology what's the latest thing that you're using with your friends to connect and yeah. talk and have conversations yeah i think that's so important brett and and i i think part of that comes back to and I, i'm curious what you think about this is this idea of digital literacy i think that that you know i think you're doing that with your son and i do that too because i've got my own generation z kids at home and i'm constantly kind of paying attention to okay, you're hanging out with your friends and they just pulled up and instead of coming to the door, they text you. So it's like, that's different than it was when I was a kid. And so understanding and being a, being a student of the generation that you're talking to, and you know, some of the people are going to be Gen Z, some of them are going to be millennials. It's, it's a various, but I think understanding who that mission fit is for your particular program or school is so important. And then studying them and understanding them and becoming literate in the technologies that they're using, as well as what are all the tools available. I mean, generative AI could be a great tool for some of the customer service things. Using video messaging is really a great tool that a lot of Generation Z appreciate because they they like that experience of, of a video. And so I think that's extremely wise to be able to kind of look at all the different tools that are out there. And, and I guess one question I would have for you, I mean, in addition to, you know, paying attention to your what you're what your uh, teenage son is doing, what, what other ways do you kind of keep up on, on those different ways that customer service, you know, I'm sure just paying attention to when you're, you know, doing your own holiday shopping. I'm sure that's a, that's a way to look at it. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of it is keeping track and paying attention just as a, a customer of other entities, right. And, and seeing what's out there. I think it's important to, you know, particularly in the role that I have um, at, at BC where it's digital strategy, that that's what my job is, right? Like I need to, I need to make sure that I'm keeping up with it. And, and a lot of it is just a lot of reading, you know, a lot yeah. of paying attention, a lot of looking at articles and, and white papers and, and things that are available online or through, through different publications just to kind of keep up with everything. And, and part of it is, you know, 
folly, right? Because technology changes so quickly, yeah. it's you can never catch up. But I think that's important. I mean, it's important for me and and part of what I try to work really closely with the admission and marketing teams at my institution is being aware, right? And and I think you I, you said it perfectly, Bart. I, whether or not you use that tool is a different story, but to be aware of everything and what's out there and what tools particularly our students are using, that's crucial. So yeah. so whether we adopt that tool or whether we invest in kind of communicating in that tool, there's other things that come into play with that, right? Staffing yeah. and, and budget and all that, all those types of components. But if we can be aware of how students are utilizing, what they're using, how they're using it, what new tech technologies are out there, that being aware, I think, is half the battle. Yeah. And you made a, a brief comment, kind of an off-the-cuff comment when we first started before we were recording about, you know, just, you know, the the comfort of just kind of being okay with, you know, hey, we'll try something and if, if it messes up, we'll just try it again. You know, I think you referenced your, your background in theater. I think that's a critical skill set to develop as higher ed marketers is that we've got to be willing to just try something. And you know what? If that didn't work, let's try something else. Hey, you know what, guys? I saw this on the way that Land's End did my chat bot the other day. I, I really like that. Maybe we can try that with the you know, OLARC system we've got real cheap just to see what it looks like. If it doesn't work, then we move on to something else. I think that's a skill that's really important as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I am a big advocate for that ever since I started particularly in the admission side of things, whether it was looking at trying a new area to recruit or using a different workflow to try to work with students better. That's, that is important. And I think particularly nowadays with technology being such a crucial part of what we want to do, it's important. You have to evaluate it as well, right? That's part of it. And that's mm -hmm. how you know whether or not you need to move on from it or not. If you don't try, if you don't do that exploration and, and that research, it's you'll fall behind. Brett, I would like to go back to the philosophies and maybe even process, because I know that in the past you've given talks and led presentations based on what you believe are the five essential steps that create a service philosophy in higher ed would love to know if you could share those with our listeners now. Yeah, absolutely. Steps that I have kind of followed throughout my career, really, at multiple institutions and, you know, comes from a lot of the experience and the learnings from the different parts of my career that I've had um, in and out of higher education. So most of them revolve around either the type of communication that you're doing or the frequency and, and things like that. The five really are being responsive. I, I, I think that's got to be at the top, if not one of the top things when you're trying to kind of create that customer service oriented culture. You know, the, the, the responsiveness is crucial, right? And we know that today that that is top on the minds of students. And, and we, we know that there's lots of research and data that proves and shows that students, if you're one of the first to respond, they're one of the first ones to respond yes. back or enroll and, and, and all of those types of things. So um, responsiveness is, is key, um, but also consistency. I think that we have a tendency in higher education to 
particularly on the recruitment, marketing, and admission side, kind of focus on the cycle, right? And I think you you have more tendencies to follow that type of pattern, probably at the under traditional undergraduate level, but beyond that, life cycle of the student is just so variable and it can last a long time. And so having consistent communication with the student, I think is key to kind of building that service philosophy and, and putting things in place so that you're doing things on a consistent basis. Multiple channels, I think, is crucial as well. I think we see that in when you're talking about the marketing side of things and utilizing lots of different channels to be able to get in front of students, potential students, and show them your story and talk about your school and indicate what your mission and your values are as an institution and an organization. So kind of doing that in multiple ways and multiple channels, I think, is is important. And I think that transcends not just the marketing side of things, but throughout that student's journey, all throughout their experience and just trying to connect with them, again, with a variety of different tools. And I think the last two really revolve around evaluation and an assessment. So, you know, one aspect to really focus on is to identify what those pain points are. And I don't, I think that's an important when you're trying to create a service culture, because I think it's really easy to get lost in processes and workflows, and you're yeah. not necessarily thinking about what are the pain points. So I know we need to have this process, and we might be utilizing a specific system for this, but if I'm the student, where are those pain points that I'm hitting and trying to address those? And then lastly, just assessment. I think good service can only happen if you're constantly assessing and evaluating how things are going. And you have to do that by asking your quote unquote customers, right? You have yep. to ask the students, you have to have focus groups, you have to have surveys, you have to try to do everything that you can do to get as much feedback as possible. And going back to my Disney days, that one of the things that Disney is great at is surveying and collecting feedback. You see people when you go on vacation at Walt Disney World standing at the gates when people are leaving with their little survey computer tablet and asking them questions about, you know, how was their day? What did they like? And they take that feedback and they incorporate it into the new things that they want to do to, to help um, increase and enhance the service. Higher ed is no different. Um, that's important when you're trying to create that, that service culture. Um, because you you need to be able to learn what's happening in real time and what those experiences are to be able to improve and change. Yeah, I I love those five things because I think that kind of the umbrella above them all is in intentionality. I think you've got to be intentional. And I love this whole conversation we've been having because I think a lot of people maybe at the start of this was like, well, we do customer service. I mean, we're polite, you know, we, we walk them to the car when they're done. But we're talking about something different. We're talking about being extremely intentional in the way that you are engaging with your prospective students and their influencers. So if it's an undergrad prospective student, it might be mom and dad. If it's a, if it's a graduate or, or an adult student, it might be their spouse or an, a significant other that's you know part of the decision with them. And I love the five that you have. I mean, the responsiveness, I mean, that's just kind of being on top of it. We talked about earlier that some of these schools are getting back within 45 seconds. 
if you are waiting too long, if you're not even in the same day that they've reached out, you need to address that immediately. So I think that responsiveness is so critical. I love the consistency because, I mean, I've talked to so many admissions teams. It's like, what's your, how consistent are you? Well, we reach out two or three times. If they don't get back to us, then we just move on. I'm like, no, this world, people, you know, they need to be, you know, seeing things 15, 20 times before they get back to you. So I think consistency, that number two is really good. So you got responsiveness, consistency. Multi-channel is so important because, again, whether you do email, you do texting, you do voicemail, you do automated voicemails, you do DM on on social media, whatever it takes to get into the place where they like to communicate. And you're going to have to engage and experiment and try those things. So I love that third one. And then just the simplicity of the evaluation and assessment. I think that that is part of that intentionality is knowing that starting with it, we're going to be responsive, consistent, multi-channel. We're going to take a look at everything and evaluate what's working. And then we're going to make a decision on assessing it to say, okay, we're going to tweak it. We're going to do it. We're going to start it back at the top of number one. So Brett, those are great. I I love those. And I think that's really some solid practical advice that anybody could take right now and and be intentional and actually do those things. And I think you're going to see a difference in, in the way your enrollment marketing works. Absolutely. Well, Brett, you gave us those five tips, but I'm going to ask you for one more, at least one more thing. And <laughs> as you know, we ask all of our guests to share something that they would advise our listeners to do. And if they did that or implemented it immediately, they would have an immediate impact. So with that question in mind, if you could give us what your piece of advice would be. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it actually relates to one of the the five things. Looking at the consistency in the communication, I think is one of the the low-hanging fruit, as they say, right? It's one of those areas that I think anybody can do. And so my piece of advice would be take a look at how consistent you are. You know, I take the time, you know, to go and look through all of the touch points that happen with you and your students. Map it out. I'm a big visual person. And so I, I like to actually map out lots of things before I do anything in terms of setup or think about the the process itself or the workflow or or the system that I'm going to use. I really like to visualize and map out what are those touch points. So in this particular, you know, example, I think look at how you're communicating with the students. What are the the tools that you're using? How often are you doing them? And map those out. By doing that, I think you'll easily be able to see, hey, you know what, this is an opportunity. This is a gap right here, whether it's Maybe we just, you know, a month goes by and we don't talk to that student. Here's an opportunity. Maybe we can set up a a phone call to go out or a text message or one of our automated emails, or maybe we can do a social post or whatever it is. But mapping those things out to then see where is that opportunity for us to be consistent. And I think that's easy to do because it's really just about assessing what's going on and how you're doing it now. And it's an easy step to do. And and it's the best place to start, in my opinion. I think one of the interesting things about going back to our kind of reference of technology, it's really easy to get lost in the complexity of technology, right? I mean, the technology allows us to do lots of different personalization and build all sorts of rules for automated communication based on 
uh, you know, a behavior that the student is doing or something they selected on a form or, or whatever. It can get very complex and it can get very, very overwhelming. But the consistency piece, I think, is really important. If you build out something so that at least you know, I have these, com these consistent communications that are going out. I know that we're touching that student a, a good amount of time, a consistent amount of time, whether they're looking short-term, starting next entrance term, or whether they're looking a year from now. Having that is important, and it's the easy first step that you can do. So that, yeah. that would be my advice. Brett DeMarzo, who is the Director of Graduate Enrollment Digital Strategy at Boston College, but most importantly today, making the case for mindful and intentional customer service philosophies for higher ed. And we really thank you for coming on to the podcast. If you can, give us the best way that our listeners could reach out and connect with you if any of them would like to do so. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Obviously, I, I am at Boston College. I'm in the office of the provost. Anybody can kind of look at, at my contact information um, on the website. Uh, but my email is the best way to get in touch with me. So it's just brett, B-R-E-T-T -T, dot demarzo, D-I-M-A-R-Z-O at B-C dot E-D-U. And I'd love to, to talk more about this topic with any, any colleagues who are looking to just kind of bring this type of culture philosophy into the mix. Thank you, Brett. Really appreciate you taking the time and the sharing your philosophies here on the Higher Ed Marketer podcast. Bart, do you have any closing thoughts that you would like to share? Yeah, I really so appreciated Brett being on the show today and, and being able to just kind of talk through the intentionality that he brings with customer service. And, and I like that we've kind of been using that word a lot because I think it does take a lot of intentionality. And I think just the intentionality of kind of summarizing it into those five points, you know, number one, responsiveness, number two, consistency, number three, multi-channel, number four, evaluation, number five, assessment. Really kind of look at your, your marketing operations, your customer service through those lenses. And I think that'll make a huge difference. And I would really encourage you kind of what we've been talking about is, you know, whether it's technology, whether it's kind of a new way of reaching out to your, to your prospective students and influencers, try some different things, you know, be willing to fail forward. There's uh, you know, no harm, no foul. Try some different things because you might actually discover something that's really going to make a big difference. And then the final thing that I really liked that we talked about was just kind of being a student of your prospective students, figuring out the, the, the ways they like to communicate, look at the ways that they're being influenced by culture, why, how they're getting influenced at other customer service orientations. I mean, we are all customers, pay attention to what's going on. I think that could really add to your effectiveness as, as a higher education marketer and, and enrollment person. So, Brett, thank you. This has been a great conversation. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes, it has. And thank you both for creating that conversation. Also, we always want to make sure everyone knows how appreciative we are for Westport Studios and Ron Conlon there for helping us make this happen each and every week. The Higher Ed Marketer podcast is sponsored by Kaler Solutions an education marketing and branding agency, and by Ring Digital, the ad targeting people who precisely and accurately serve ads directly to the handheld and household devices of your inquiries that are currently on your mailing list. On behalf of Bart Kaler, I'm Troy Singer. Thank you so much for joining us.
You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. The Higher Ed Marketer is a production of Kaler Solutions and Ring Digital in partnership with Westport Studios. Views and opinions expressed by guests on The Higher Ed Marketer are their own and may not reflect the views and opinions of their organization. Know someone who's a mover and a shaker in higher ed marketing? Visit www.higheredmarketerpodcast.com and click on our Contact Us page. We'd love to have you tell us about them. Until next time. Oh, 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 oh,